Somebody ought to go ahead and praise him like it's already done this morning. If you understand that the word of God gives us specific instructions on how to give God the praise. I know it's popular for people to say, you know what, I'm just going to praise him in my own little way. But how many of you understand that is not biblical uh, to praise him in your own way? As a matter of fact, if you were to talk to Cain and to Abel, uh, you would find a very important lesson uh, concerning a mentality uh, that says I'm going to give God whatever I decide I want to give him. Uh, When Cain tried to give God uh, what he wanted uh, instead of what God asked for, uh, his offering was rejected. Uh, And Psalm 150 tells us uh, how to give God the praise the Bible says to praise him in the timbrel and in the dance if you want to be biblical with your praise you got to learn how to give God a praise in the dance the Bible says to give God the praise with the stringed instruments and with the organs upon the high sounding cymbals and the loud sounding cymbals. Oh, the Bible says if you want to know whether or not you're qualified, let everything that has breath praise ye the Lord. I dare you to take a big breath right now. And if you got breath in your lungs, you ought to exhale a praise in the building. Come on, somebody, do it and clap your hands. Do it while you shout unto God with a voice of triumph. ago I was feeling a little bit hungry and so I went through the McDonald's drive-thru I can't get help from none of y'all in the building right there some of y'all acting like a health nut but you're going to hell on a scholarship for lying this morning you know you've been eating them Big Macs and I was hungry H-O-N-G-R-Y, hungry. And so I decided to go through the drive-thru at McDonald's. And I wanted one of those quarter pounders with cheese. No onion, extra mayo, squishy bread, tasty meat, chewy cheese. And I was thirsty. So I ordered a large Diet Coke. 
to offset the quarter pounder. Hello, somebody. Anybody figured that out? Your diet drink cancels all the calories in the bad food you eat? It's like one man said, you go to McDonald's and you're waiting in line at the drive-thru and you say, okay, a bottle of water and a salad. A bottle of water and a salad. A bottle of water and a salad. Sir, can I help you? I'll take three Big Macs, four large fries, two hot apple pies, three chocolate shakes, and a bottle of water. But as hungry as I was, and as much as I wanted what they had, there was an exchange that had to take place first before I could obtain the desired goods. Sir, that'll be $8.99. Now you know that's a lie because you can't get McDonald's for $8.99 anymore. Sir, that'll be $12.99. Before I could ever get what I wanted, I had to first make a payment on what I wanted. And I know Psalm 150 says to praise him according to his excellent greatness and to praise him for, tell your neighbor, for his mighty acts. Now you can look at that one of two ways. You can praise him for what he's already done. But can I preach to somebody for two minutes uh, that your greatest blessing uh, is not what's behind you, uh, but it's what's in front of you. Uh, and if you want to give him a praise uh, and to praise him uh, according to uh, his excellent greatness uh, and to praise him uh, for his mighty acts, uh, you ought to praise him right now. Uh, for what hasn't even happened yet. You ought to praise him for something mighty. I don't have it yet. It's not in my hands yet. But God, here's my praise. God, here's my thanks. God, here's my worship. I just see 300 radical people in the building who will turn loose a praise like it's already done. Turn loose the praise like God already did it. Turn loose the praise like it already happened. Come on. Praise Him for His mighty acts. Yes. Come on, somebody give Him a praise. backwards he did it yesterday he did it last week he did it last year but I need some prophetic praisers who will declare that he did it before it's even done are you in the building right now lift your hands and prophesy in the building that he did it are you ready 
Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom the Lord hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy. Somebody shout in this building. believing God for this morning if you only understood what I need God to do you would understand why I'm praising him like I am right now I can't afford to sit down I can't afford to miss out I've got to give him praise your voice all across the building somebody lift your voice all across the building holly come on there's miracles in the building there's healing in the building there's breakthrough in the building come on the hand of god is going through the building clap your hands one more time and give god your best praise Hallelujah. Come on, if he's been good to you, put your hands together and shout unto God. High five about eight people on the way to your seat and tell them he did it. Come on, tell them he did it. He did it. Add something to your testimony and tell them if he did it for me, he can do it for you. I said if he did it for me, he can do it for you. There's nothing too hard. There's nothing too great. There's nothing too far. There's nothing too wide that my God cannot do in this place today. Anybody believe that in the house? Amen. You can be seated for just a brief moment. I want to take an opportunity to say what a privilege and what an honor it is this morning to have every single guest with us in the house of the Lord. Rock Church, can I borrow your hands and your voice and help me make some crazy noise for all of our guests that are here? Come on, we can do a little bit better than that. Let's let our guests know what a privilege it is to have them in the house of God today. Amen. If you are here for the very first time, you should have received a VIP invitation card when you walked through the front doors of the church. And if you're here for the first time and you did not receive one, if you would just quickly raise your hand, somebody, one of our staff members will bring one to you. I see a couple of hands right here. Amen. Just keep your hand up. I see a couple more hands over here. One of our staff members is bringing a, an invitation to you. This is an invitation to join us immediately after the service in our VIP room. What does VIP mean? Very important person. And we want you to know that you are a very important person here today and that we are privileged and honored that you decided to worship with us this morning. We've got some light refreshments and a small gift we'd love to give you just as a token of our appreciation of having you with us this morning. We want a chance to say hello to you. Amen, somebody. 
Anybody grateful for what God's been doing in this house this week? Anybody with a testimony that God's been good to you this week? Let me rephrase that. Is there anybody that's not ashamed to testify that God's been good to you uh, this past week? Amen. If you were here last Sunday, we had eight more people receive the Holy Ghost. We baptized six more people in Jesus' name uh, this past Sunday. And then Wednesday afternoon, Jacqueline was baptized in Jesus' name for the remission of her sins. And then just before service started this morning, uh, uh, Dariel was baptized in Jesus' name for the remission of her. She's here with us today. I think we ought to give God a praise uh, for what he's doing in this house today. Uh, come on, I think we ought to give God a great praise for what he's doing in this house. Amen. Stand with me if you would all across the building as we prepare for the entrance of God's word into this place, it is our custom to stand. We would stand for a dignitary if they walked into the building today. And we certainly want to honor the entrance of God's word into his house this morning. Amen. Hallelujah. It is such an absolute privilege and an honor this morning to have with us all the way from North Little Rock, Arkansas, my dear friend and incredible man of God, Pastor Nathan Holmes. Rock Church, would you put your hands together and help me give him a great big Rock Church welcome. Come on, let him hear you. I had the privilege uh, many, many years ago of making my way to Little Rock for the very first time and stepped through the doors of uh, FPC of North Little Rock. I was in my early 20s, maybe barely 20. And um, I, I walked into the building on a Sunday morning as we were traveling across the country. And uh, there was a young man who I had never met before and uh, I think he was still a teenager uh, at that time, maybe 19 years old or something, I don't recall, who stepped to the pulpit with a powerful anointing of God upon his life. And that was my first introduction to Pastor Nathan Holmes. Little did I know that years down the road, God would connect us. And over the past several years has allowed me the great privilege and honor of forging a, a tremendous friendship with this great man and his family and uh, his father, who we give great honor to today, Bishop Joel Holmes. Amen. I think we ought to go ahead and give him some honor today. Who, by the way, is on his way to the Rock Church. Amen. And... Uh, I want him to know how much I love and appreciate him. God has used this great man and the incredible church that he pastors as a beacon and as a pioneer in the apostolic world. And uh, it is a privilege to know them and to be connected with him. And what a double honor to have him here at the Rock Church of Fort Myers today. 
He could be anywhere in the world today, but he took time out of his busy schedule to come and be with us. How many of you came expecting something great from God in this building? Did you come with expectation in your spirit? One more time, would you put your hands together and give God a, a great big praise all over this house? Lift up your voice as loud as you can get it, uh, and let's thank God for what he's about to do uh, as Pastor Nathan Holmes comes to deliver the word of the Lord to Praise the Lord, everyone. It is such an honor to be here this morning with all of you. And my, how we've been blessed already by the anointed music ministry of the Rock Church of Fort Myers. You are a blessed people. And I give Bishop... First Lady Williams, high honor today. Don't you love and appreciate them so much? Their family, we love and appreciate them so much. So thankful for their friendship to us and making us feel so welcome here at the Rock Church, Fort Myers, the basket, the accommodations. And then to be in this mighty church today, what a testament to the name of Jesus to see all of you here today. I think we ought to give Jesus praise for allowing us to be in this house today. Hallelujah. Yesterday I was privileged to drive through this city with your Pastor, we began to take a tour of where this church has been, and we saw the humble beginnings, and it was truly inspirational and deeply touching to me to see what God has done over the course of the past nine years under the leadership of Bishop Williams, and I give God praise for that today. I know you're standing, so I won't keep you standing, but I just want to uh, reiterate here today how uh, thankful I am for the friendship of your pastor. He is a great man of God, and we have been so blessed on multiple occasions to have him preach in our pulpit uh, in North Little Rock, Arkansas. It's also such a privilege to have my son, Brother Benson Holmes here. I'm so honored that he is here with us today and so thankful for the move of God that is on his life. He's preaching the gospel and I'm thankful for that. I want to turn your attention to 1 Kings chapter 12, verse number 28. 1 Kings chapter 12, verse 28. Now we've worshiped and we've shouted and we've sung but we're going to hear the word of the Lord here today, and I pray that uh, this word will find a lodging place in the hearts of the people gathered in this building today. Um, I can tell you I'm not a professional uh, preaching uh, evangelist or traveler. 
I'm most comfortable in my home pulpit, and uh, that's where I prefer to be. But I made the decision when I was a very young person that I would follow the call of God. And when God asks me to do something, I would be obedient. So that's the reason I'm here today. And I know that uh, no one can preach to you like your pastor. And that's the way it's supposed to be. But God has afforded me this privilege to stand here today and preach to you. And so I want to obey God and I want to deliver my heart to you. 1 Kings 12, 28. Whereupon the king took counsel and made two calves of gold and said unto them, It is too much for you to go up to Jerusalem. Behold thy gods, O Israel, which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. One translation says it like this. The king said to the people, It is too much trouble for you to worship in Jerusalem. And so today, I want to preach from this thought. It's not too much trouble. It's not too much trouble. Come on, let's lift our hands to the Lord and ask Him to allow His Word to penetrate our heart today. Father, we need You. God, I pray You would speak to this congregation. May they hear your word today. May they be touched by the word of God. And may we all be receptive to what we feel in this sanctuary today. In the lovely, precious name of Jesus. Come on, put both hands together and give our great God and Savior, Jesus, praise in this house. Come on, let's do it. Hallelujah. You may be seated. Hallelujah. My mother passed away a number of years ago, but one of her favorite quotes to us, my sister and I, as her kids, was this. If it's worth doing, it's worth doing right. Anybody ever heard that? I imagine there's some mamas here today, you've told your kids that. If it's worth doing, it's worth doing right. And while this is true in the natural, and we should do things right, it is so much more important in the spiritual realm. We must get it right. Eternity is for sure. Heaven or hell are the two options. And if you want to make heaven your home, you better get it right. Well, I wish I could get somebody to agree with me today. You know, it amazes me how conscientious we are and how we try so hard to get everything right in the natural We try to get every detail right. And yet, we can be sloppy when it comes to church. I knew I was in the Holy Ghost when your bishop got up here and started talking about the right way to worship. (laughs) 
You know, Cain offered a sacrifice that did not meet the criteria of God. And God looked at Cain and he said something to him about getting things right. He said, why are you so angry, Cain? Why do you look so dejected? Why is your countenance or your face fallen? And God said, you will be accepted if you do what is right. But, and that's the way God always works. There's always going to be two choices. There's always going to be a blessing and a curse. There's always going to be a right way and a wrong way. He said, but if you refuse to do what is right, you need to watch out. Sin is crouching at the door. It's eager to control you, but you must subdue it and be its master. Cain, get it right. Cain, get, look at your neighbor and say, get it right. God encourages Cain to get it right and he will be accepted. You know, I believe if Cain would have reconsidered, reconvened, and brought God the right offering, God would have accepted it because he got it right. And God is still encouraging all of us in this room today to get it right. I've heard the popular mantra, all roads lead to God and all, all roads lead to heaven. Let me tell you, that is not true. Jesus said, narrow is the road. Straight is the gate that leads to everlasting life. You know, it took nine chapters in the book of Exodus to thoroughly explain and instruct Moses and the people concerning the building of the tabernacle. A lot of times when you start your yearly Bible reading plan, a lot of people fall off the wagon when they get into these minute details about how God wants uh, Moses and Israel to build the tabernacle and, and he goes into great detail about all of the, the materials to use and it's somewhat monotonous to us today but it further illustrates that God is interested in the details. God cares about you getting it right. Oh, I know we can offer God sloppy praise. We can try to give him anything we want, but he's not going to receive it. He's going to, hey, let me tell you, he's picky. Oh, hallelujah. I know this isn't what mainstream religion will tell you, but we're not mainstream. We're apostolic. God is concerned about the details. He's concerned about you getting it right. And it will never be too much trouble to get it right. Our text today comes from the first book of Kings. There are two books of Kings. At one point they were together. 
but when the writers and editors of the Bible began to canonize it, they started breaking things down into chapter, verse, books to help us get to it quicker. And so First and Second Kings are really one story, but our particular text today comes from uh, the 12th chapter of the book of First Kings. And, and if we look a little further back in that book, we will find that Jeroboam was an Ephraimite. He first came to prominence as an official in Solomon's royal administration. The man Jeroboam was very able. And when Solomon saw this young man and that he was industrious, he gave him charge over all of the forced labor of the house of Joseph. All the Ephraimites, Jeroboam was made as their leader. And so Jeroboam was seen as a capable man. He was seen as someone intelligent, someone with a bright future that could help uh, administer the royal uh, prerogative and the royal agenda in uh, the, the country or the clan of the Ephraimites and of the house of Joseph. But Jeroboam, the Bible tells us, lifted up his hand or rebelled against Solomon. This passage is somewhat difficult to understand fully. Solomon had built up the ramparts of the city walls and he had closed up the gaps in the walls of the city of Jerusalem. Scholars believe that it is possible that one of those gaps that were, uh, that were in uh, the, the walls of the city of Jerusalem could have been a passageway that many used to come into the city to worship. In fact, we understand from uh, the Bible, from archaeology, from history that the Ephraimites lived uh, closest to the city of Jerusalem, very close proximity to Jerusalem. So it could have been that when Solomon began to build up the walls and close in the gaps that maybe he took away the convenient uh, detour that Ephraim had used for many years and maybe Jeroboam had lifted his hand in protest against this. We don't know for sure. Jeroboam though realized that he was a threat uh, to the king and that his popularity and his skill were also challenges to the king. And so he left the city of Jerusalem and he met a prophet on the road outside of Jerusalem. The prophet's name was Ahijah. Ahijah was wearing a brand new robe. And he encounters uh, Jeroboam out on the road. And the two were alone that day. And he, he took off the brand new robe that he was wearing. And he began to tear it into 12 different pieces. And I'm sure Jeroboam was watching. His eyes were big. And, and he stood there aghast at what was happening. No doubt he knew Ahijah was a prophet from God. And and then Ahijah hands him ten of these fragments of his garment. 
And he prophesies to Jeroboam and says, you will receive 10 of the tribes of Israel because of Solomon's disobedience. In fact, he began to tell what God had to say about Solomon and all of Israel. He said, they have forsaken me and worshiped Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Sidonians, and Chemosh, the god of Moab, and Milcom, the god of the Ammonites. And they have not walked in my ways, doing, here we go again, what is right in my sight, and keeping my statutes and my rules as David his father did. And Jeroboam, because of the gross disobedience, I am going to raise you up and you are going to become king over 10 of the tribes of Israel. Solomon found out about this prophecy and he desired to kill Jeroboam. The Bible tells us that Jeroboam escaped to Egypt and there in Egypt he found refuge with King Shishak and he stayed in Egypt until Solomon died. Upon Solomon's death, the people of the northern tribe, just as Ahijah had prophesied, they summoned him back to Israel to help lead in the presentation of grievances to Rehoboam. Now I know I'm giving you a lot of names here today. Solomon was the son of David who was king. So you have David, Solomon, and then Solomon's son Rehoboam became king after Solomon died. Now, Rehoboam was even more difficult than his father. And he heard these grievances of the people. Solomon had worked the people so hard. He had taxed them until it was such a mighty burden they could hardly bear it. And so they come to Rehoboam hoping that, that he will listen to them and that he will be reasonable. But he ignores the trusted, experienced, aged advisors and Rehoboam dismisses their grievances. And instead of lifting the heavy burden from off their backs, Rehoboam taxes them more heavily. And instead of listening to these men that knew what was happening and understood what was going on among the people and the discontent among the people, he decided to listen to his peers, his running buddies, if you will. And his younger advisors told him, this is what you should tell the complainers who want a lighter burden. My little finger is thicker than my father's waist. Now, to us in the 21st century, that doesn't sound like much of a comeback. In fact, I challenge you when you get into a, a problem with somebody, just start telling them, my little finger is thicker than your father. They'll laugh you to scorn. But evidently, <laughs> in Israel at that time, that was somewhat of a real comeback. And so, Rehoboam had no mercy on the people. He told them, he said, my father, now this is real, he said, my father beat you with whips, but I will beat you with scorpions. 
And as a result of the unbearable tyranny, Israel crowns Jeroboam king over that northern kingdom, those ten tribes. And he reigned over Israel for 22 years. God set him upon the throne. Man did not set him there. God set him on the throne. But understand, even though the prophet prophesied and God placed him on the throne, Jeroboam was so insecure that he could not trust the hand of God. He begins to think to himself, unless I am careful, the kingdom will return to the dynasty of David. And and when these people go back to Jerusalem to offer their sacrifices yearly at the temple, They're going to offer their allegiance to King Rehoboam of Judah and they will kill me and they'll make him their king instead. And so on the advice of his counselors, the king made, and this is our text today, two golden calves. And he said to the people, it's too much trouble. I'm going to tell you, the enemy, the devil, will always try to tell you it's too much trouble. The enemy is always going to be worried about your convenience. Oh, yeah. He said it's too much trouble for you to worship in Jerusalem. Look, these are the gods. And they'd heard this before. Aaron had done this many years before. These are the gods that brought you out of Egypt. And he placed the calf idols at the northernmost point of the kingdom and the southernmost point. He placed them at both Bethel and Dan. And Jeroboam not only changed the place of worship to Dan and Bethel from Jerusalem, but he also substituted golden calves in place of worship of the one true God. Jeroboam hired new priests who were favorable to his changes. He created his own festivals to take the place of the Jewish festivals. You see today his sin in setting up the golden calves for worship was the defining moment in the history of the northern kingdom. And ultimately it led the way for its demise. Jeroboam is the fifth most mentioned king in your Bible. He follows David, Saul, Solomon, and Hezekiah. But understand today that his notoriety is infamously linked to disobedience and idolatry. He's not known for getting it right. He's known for providing a more convenient way. He's known for telling the people it's not too much trouble. That is what is happening in our world today. The enemy is whispering into the ears of churchgoers and telling you it's too much trouble to go to church. It's too much trouble. Churches are eliminating services, Bishop. 
they're, 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 they're paring down all of the events and all of the things in the church because it's just too much trouble. It's too much work. But I want you to know today this is an age-old deception of the enemy. From Genesis until now, the father of lies has been doing his best to convince humanity that it's too much trouble to serve God. The devil will tell you it's too much trouble to be apostolic. It's too much trouble to live for God. It's too much trouble to come every day and pray. It's too much trouble to get involved in what's happening at the church. I'm just too busy, pastor. I can't do any more. That is a lie from the enemy. The devil will tell you it's too much trouble to give my tithe and offering. It's too much trouble to live holy and separated from the world. It's too much trouble to worship God. It's too much trouble to be involved. It's too much trouble to come to church two times on Sunday. Oh, hallelujah. The enemy will tell us the pastor pushes us too much. It's just too much trouble. Living for God. Anybody ever had the enemy try to put that voice in your mind? To tell you, well, it's just too, it's too much trouble. It's too, it's too hard. They want too much. <laughs> oh, I feel the Holy Ghost in this house today. But let me tell you what the attitude of the church should be. The attitude of the church should be like Eliezer, the servant of Abraham. He said, I am going to find that girl that Abraham wants, and I'm going to do whatever it takes to find her. And when I find her, she's going to be the type of girl that says it's not too much trouble to water the ewe and to water the camels also. He starts praying, and before he knows it, a young, beautiful girl walks down the road to go and, and get water from the spring of water, and when she sees this man, he asks for a drink of water, and she begins to tell him, I'll give you a drink of water, and I'll also water your ten camels. But she didn't just give a little bit of water. The Bible says she watered the camels until they were finished drinking. Brothers and sisters, that should be the attitude of the church. It's not too much trouble. I'll do whatever it takes. Help us today to reject the subtle lie of Jeroboam that says it's too much trouble. I want to tell you today, it's not too much trouble to live for God. You want to know what, what hardship is? It's living for the devil. It's waking up with a hangover. 
It's dealing with brokenness. It's dealing with addictions. It's dealing with the consequences of bad decisions. That's what's too much trouble. It'll never be too much trouble for me to lift my hands in the sanctuary. It'll never be too much trouble for me to shout and dance. It'll never be too much trouble for me to give my tithe and offering. It'll never be much too much trouble for me to read the word of God. It'll never be too much trouble for me to fall on my face and begin to pray and cry and pray and cry. It will not be too too much trouble when I think of the goodness of Jesus and all he's done for me when I think about where I should be and where I am right now it'll never be too much trouble to praise I wish I could get somebody off your seat right now I wish you'd get your hands in the air open up your mouth and begin to praise him Hey, let me tell you, I could have stayed in Little Rock and had a good time, but God sent me to Fort Myers, Florida to tell this church, if you want to go to the next level, you got to get over all of the discomfort. You got to get over all of the challenges and be willing to say it's not too much trouble to get behind his vision. It's not too much. The enemy wants to lie to you and tell you it's too much trouble. Oh, there's a more convenient way <laughs> There's a more convenient. We don't have to do all that. You don't have to. You don't have to live holy. You don't have. All you have to do is accept Jesus as your personal Savior. Would you please find that in the Bible for me? I've been preaching for twenty-five, six years, and I've never found where you accept Jesus as your personal Savior. But what I have found is the book of Acts chapter 2 where Peter stood up, the man with the kings to the kingdom and said, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus for the remission of sins and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. It's not too much. I wish somebody would shout that. It's not too much trouble. Come on, look at your neighbor and tell him it's not too much trouble. It's not too much trouble. We feel like the psalmist said, what shall I render unto the Lord for all of his benefits toward me? when I think about how good he's been to me. Hey, I don't deserve it and neither do you. You don't deserve to be in your right mind today. But here you are in the house of God. Why wouldn't we want to give him our best praise? Why wouldn't we want to worship him? Why wouldn't we want to praise him? Why wouldn't we want to give him everything we have? 
What shall I render unto the Lord for all of his benefits? Oh, why don't you lift your hands and pray that right now? Come on, pray it all over this sanctuary. Oh, God. What shall I render? What shall, what is he asking of me? What is he asking of me? Come on, that's it, church. Come on, there's a move in the spirit right now. Come on, be receptive, be responsive right now. You know what our problem is, Bishop? We're too blessed. You mean, you mean I gotta come to choir practice? <laughs> you mean I gotta stay two hours? You mean church lasts this long? Oh yeah, the enemy wants to tell you there's a more convenient way. There's a more convenient way. The church down the street, they don't ask you to do that. You don't have to give up that. You don't have to change that. Hey, I'm telling you, when I think of his goodness and what he's done for me, I'm willing to do whatever it takes. I've got the spirit of Rebecca and Eliezer. I'm willing to do whatever it takes. Hallelujah. 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 I'm close to being done today. I want to tell you about, I want to give you another little story here today from the Bible. 2 Samuel chapter 23. During the harvest season, David was camping out in the cave of Adullam. The Philistine army was camped in the valley of Rephium and David had his mighty men by his side, and specifically those three mighty men who, who were among an elite group of 30 men. And they went down there to meet him. David was staying in the stronghold at the time, and the Philistine detachment had conquered uh, the town of Bethlehem. Bethlehem was the old stomping grounds of David. It's a very special place. And even more special, there was a certain well by the city gates of Bethlehem. And David, he loved the water that came from that, that spring of water out of the well. And the Bible tells us that, that David, he was exiled, if you will, at this time. And he became nostalgic for the taste of that water. He could, and I know you've been there. We already heard about the Big Mac. <laughs> I don't know if you can necessarily long for a Big Mac. <laughs> but I'm sure there's some type of food that, that you, maybe your, your grandma makes it or your somebody in your family and you only have it maybe Thanksgiving, Christmas, whatever it is. And, and there's times that, man, you can taste it. 
you just, you love it. You love that. And you think, man, if I could just have that right now. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Maybe there's some type of drink. Well, for David, it was water. There was a certain taste to that water that he longed for. And I don't believe for one moment that David was expecting his three mighty men to go and get him this water. I just think he maybe, I don't know, just happened to be thinking about it and knew that Bethlehem was occupied by the enemy. And and David said, oh! That someone would give me water to drink from the well of Bethlehem that is by the gate. Then the Bible tells us the three mighty men broke through the camp of the Philistines. They drew the water out of the well of Bethlehem that was by the gate. They carried it back through the enemy's line and brought it back to David. Now think about the heroic campaign that these three men took, their king, who was not king yet, their leader wanted water from his childhood well at Bethlehem. They knew the Philistines were there. They knew they were mighty. They knew they were, they were bad to the bone, but yet they were so willing to do whatever David wanted that they risked their very lives to go to that well and they broke through the enemy's line and they get the water and then they risk their lives going back through the enemy's lines and they bring the water to David and David refuses to drink the water. He said, oh Lord, I will not do this. It is equivalent to the blood of the men who have risked their lives by going. So he refused to drink it. And such were the exploits of the three elite warriors. Now, I'm just going to be honest with you today, okay? I, I want to be a scholar of the word. I want to be a student of the word. And I wrestled with this. I thought, why? Why did David do this? How inconsiderate of David to hear these men risk their lives. And David has the water and he says, no, I'm not drinking it. In fact, he goes a step further. He doesn't only not drink the water, but he begins to pour the water out. Now, you can imagine what these men must have thought and felt. I mean, look at all the trouble we went to to get you water, and now you won't drink it. And you're pouring it out on the ground. You know... I know water doesn't show up on a list of commodities, or at least the most valuable commodities. But water is the most valuable commodity. Without water, you're not going to have wheat. There will be no corn, barley, soy. None of that would exist. No rice without water. We couldn't even exist without water. Water is precious. Water is sacred. Water is essential. Think about it with me for a moment. Astronomers and scientists, they aren't looking for gold on Mars. What are they looking for? They spend billions of dollars looking for water because that's the only thing that will bring about something into existence. 
So what David did that day was not being discourteous to his men. It was not, it was not being ugly. It was not, it was not uh, being inconsiderate of them risking their lives that day. What David did when he poured that water on the ground was he was offering a sacrifice. And he was saying, this is so special. And it represents the willingness of the men and their willingness to go through the enemy to bring me something. It's so special, so precious that I cannot drink it. They didn't get offended at David for not drinking that water. We don't read anywhere where they got offended. In fact, if anything, they followed him all the more because they had that spirit that said, it's not too much trouble to bring our king what he desires. And I'm here to tell you today, it will never be too much trouble to bring our king whatever he desires. If he wants my mouth, I'm gonna give it to him. If he wants my hands, I'll give it to him. If he wants my heart, I'll give it to him. I'll give him whatever he wants because it's not too much trouble. It'll never be too much trouble to offer a sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving to God. Let me tell you today, only Judas's worry about things being poured out. Only Judas's worry about people giving money and breaking alabaster boxes and only the devious worry about wasting things on Jesus. But when you get the attitude and the, and the spirit that says it's not too much trouble, I'm going to give you everything, Jesus. Let me tell you what happens in return. God gives us what we need. You see, it wasn't too much trouble for Rebecca to water the camels also. Because underneath the blankets of those, on those camels' backs were riches that made her mouth drop open. It wasn't too much trouble for the woman with the issue of blood. She'd given everything she had to doctors and they hadn't made her any better. But that day when Jesus was passing by, it wasn't too much trouble to scamper through the crowd and push her way just to grab the hem of his garment. Some of us today, if the pastor doesn't shake us in the, uh, our hand and look us in the face and welcome us, we're so offended. But that little woman, she said, I can just get the hem of his garment. I'm going to be made whole. It wasn't too much trouble for the four friends of the lame man to climb on top of the house and tear off the roof to lower their friend down in the presence of Jesus. And I'm here today. It will never be too much trouble to do whatever Jesus wants. There are people here today. God's reaching for you. God's speaking to you. 
Maybe you're a guest here today and this is all new to you and you think, man, this is wild. This is so different than anything I've ever been to. These people are crazy. Let me tell you, no, we're not crazy. We found something so precious that we say it's not too much trouble to shout, to scream, to holler, to praise God. We heard it today, Sister Tabitha. They don't think it's too much trouble to cheer and holler in the football stadiums, paint their bodies, act like fools. Why in the world would we, the church, say it's too much trouble to worship our God, to praise Him? Stand with me today. It's not too much trouble to follow the plan of God. It's not too much trouble to allow God's word to speak to us, to be obedient. What's hindering you today from being obedient to the word? What's what's hindering you from obeying the word of God? So often it's just, well, it's just too much trouble. I don't want to be that involved. I don't want to do that. But I'm here to tell you today, If you will lift your hands and you'll give him everything, he will give you everything you need in return. Come on, lift your hands right now all over this sanctuary. Come on, the Holy Ghost is moving in this house. Come on. I'm inviting you to come to this altar at this time. Come on, if you're a guest, don't be afraid. You're going to feel the presence of God at this altar. Come on, saints of God. May the enemy, maybe the enemy has whispered to you and tell you it's too much trouble. Come back to the altar. Recommit yourself. Tell God it's not too much trouble. I'll give you everything. I worship you. Come on, let's praise him. Let's worship him. Come on, church. Come on, come on. Lift your voice. Worship him. Worship him. Come on, that's it. Let's pray. Let's pray. Come on, pray with one another. Find someone to pray with. Come on, let's pray with one another in this house. Come on, let God touch you right now. Come on, let God touch you right now.
morning. Look around and find somebody to pray with. These altars are full this morning. Somebody pray with power. Somebody pray with dominion. Somebody pray with authority. Yes! Yes! Come on. He's here right now. He's moving right now. It's not too hard. Whatever it takes, Jesus. Whatever it takes. I'm gonna give it to you. Jesus. Somebody right now give it to Jesus. Somebody right now pour it out to him. Every part of me, it belongs. 